You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Hop into our message. We've been going on a series in Luke. And here is our passage for today. No good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Read that again. No good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure of their heart, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, their mouths speak. Jesus is identifying trees and the kind of fruit that they produce. This, this passage can feel kind of scathing a lot of times when we read it because we read it as like, oh, well, I sometimes produce bad fruit, so therefore I'm a bad tree. But Jesus actually kind of separates the difference. He's trying to say, like, what kind of tree are you, I think, right? Because he says you don't go to a bramble bush to get grapes. Therefore, are you... A grape bush? Is that a, is that a thing? <laughs> a vine? Are you a vine? Is that a tree, though? Sticking with my tree imagery, you know? Um, if you're looking for good fruit, so a fig, if you want a fig, you go to a fig tree. So let's imagine for a moment that we're a fig tree and we're producing figs. There's a good chance that we're not always going to produce an abundant amount of figs to the greatest potential from the first year that we become a Christian. But when we become a Christian, we then take on the identity of a kind of tree that is supposed to produce good fruit. If we were a bramble bush before making brambles, now we become an orange tree making oranges. We're producing something that should be good. And fruit grows over time. It takes effort. I have never met a Christian that has been so transformed by the Spirit within a few months that they go from just producing only good fruit and never making uh, unripe fruit. That's not really even how science works, right? We used to have a victory garden, uh, Jackson Victory Gardens downtown. and think Debbie lives where it used to be now. We built a whole field there as a church early on, and we, we, um, we put in some fruit trees. Have you ever tried to grow a fruit tree before? They're a lot of work. If you ever had a pear in its early years, <laughs> they're like this big. And to get them this big, you got to water them a lot. It requires quite a bit of water to produce good fruit. And so we're out there tending to the garden, trying to get this pear tree to grow, but we've got to keep fending off this unripe fruit that's not that great. Um, we got to expect that in its early years, it's not going to be the greatest fruit and we got to keep protecting it. We have to water it. We have to stay on top of it. We have to make sure that it's getting all the nutrients it needs. We have to replace the soil or the mulch if we have to. 
Um, compared to everything else in the garden, we had to put a whole lot more water into the fruit tree. And on top of that, we had blight hit our trees at Jackson Victory Gardens. So we had to uh, take care of those particular branches that have been affected by this disease that was taking over what we had to ensure that the tree would continue to grow fruitfully. It takes time to grow fruit. And the fruit that God wants to grow in you is of a spiritual type. It is something that you in and of yourself cannot produce. And that throws us off a lot of times because the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul tells us, I say it all the time, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We hear about those attributes and we're like, yeah, those are, those are just things that we uh, um, are used to seeing in people. But from the biblical perspective, when you get the Holy Spirit, like that's the kind of stuff that the Spirit wants to grow in you. And that's the kind of stuff that he's chiseling away all the sickness, all the blight, all the disease, and taking his watering can and trying to bring to fuller fruition in you. That's the kind of stuff that he wants at the center of your heart. Because when that stuff begins to grow in the fullness of fruit, people get a taste of it, and it changes their opinion of how the world can work. People see that there is better fruit available out there, that all this time they've been tasting brambles in comparison. But it takes time to grow that. When people get saved, they now have the process of having to go through the effort to grow fruit. And let's remember, fruit does grow. That is how it works. The pear tree that we had would not just suddenly be full of pears right now. It has a season, it has time, it has effort. Likewise, this cherry blossom tree that we put on the wall, it represents the fruit that 1208 is growing. Next week, we're going to fill up that bottom left corner with a 12-year prayer being answered. But it represents the fact that we are this good tree and that fruit is coming and that it takes a while. And that occasionally there's some uh, bad branches that come along that we need to break off. And that we work with the Spirit to listen to, to Him, to figure out what makes sense to continue doing, what doesn't make sense, so that we might be crafted into the fullness of the kind of tree that, that God is willing to grow. And so this comes down to the question that each of us need to answer when we come before God and, and say, what is my fruit like? Because the fruit that you're producing, Jesus tells us, like it comes out of where your heart's at. And we sang this morning about breaking some of the lies that are on your mind. I, I can't tell you how important that is. With the amount of deliverance of casting out demons and stuff over the last few years, literally all of that revolves around lies. The devil is a liar, is a deceiver, has been a murderer since the beginning. This is the way that the Bible talks about the way that the demonic works. And to get those things out, like, I don't just walk in the room and just say, hey, get out of them right now, because it doesn't work. I have done that before. They always come back. Um, there have been some very rare circumstances where the Holy Spirit has guided me to forcibly kick something out because it's too dangerous at the moment. But the Holy Spirit has shown me, like, these ones will always come back until you deal with the problem. What you renew your mind to, what you renew your heart to, is the kind of fruit that you're going to grow. 
And so I've come across people who have um, had their minds renewed to all kinds of different demons. Telling their lies, keeping people stuck in those places. And in really crazy circumstances, I've seen those demons' lies be so tangible on a person that their manifestations have become greater. I have actually chased manifested demons down a highway in a car to try to stop them from the places that they're leading people to. And when I pull up next to them and I get them out of the car and I say, are you okay? They have no idea how they got there and what's going on. But they, they sense what the demon has brought them there for. I mean, those are crazy circumstances, unusual. Don't always see that. You didn't know in Jackson that there's pastors having highway chases with demons. I get it. But that, that comes out of a renewal to the wrong kind of thinking, out of a renewal to uh, uh, a fruit that a demon would want to grow in us. When we renew our mind to the Spirit, though, that's where that good fruit that he wants to grow begins to really take root. And that's a fruit that the church is not super used to seeing. That's a fruit that the world is not super used to seeing. I think I've said this before, but I've got a friend, uh, a pastor friend who met like the marketing person for some of the biggest churches you've heard of. And they talk to them like, okay, so what are you doing that's making people come to these churches? And basically this marketing person just said, you do not want to do the kinds of stuff that I do. You would not want to create the kind of church that I can create for you with marketing because basically you're just going to have to keep putting stuff out there that tell people that they're right. You're going to have to keep marketing in such a way that you affirm in them what they already believe. And we can grow your church real easily through that. That's not a church revolving around the spirit. That's not a church revolving around fruit. That's a church trying to renew the mind and the heart and the soul and the strength to what already I want in life, to what already I believe. That's an echo chamber church. And so really it's no shocking, it's not that shocking that if you walked into a very large church and gave a message on a rather controversial passage in the Bible, you're going to have a lot of fallout after Heck, there are churches I know of that are exploding in conversation right now just because pews are being removed. It's 2023. I had to check my watch because I keep forgetting. It's 2023, and we're still fighting about worship wars <laughs> and the way that a church room looks. What does that conversation have anything to do with fruit? What does that conversation have anything to do with ministry? Literally nothing. But when we renew our minds to say, like, these are the kinds of conversations worth having and fighting for, and when we don't shut down that kind of stuff to say, this is a bad branch that doesn't matter. Why are we spending time over here? Then we cultivate a kind of fruit that says, these are the kind of things that we fight about, bicker about, talk about. These are the kind of things that we spend money on, that we spend time on. I look back at the worship wars in general that we've had over the years. We literally taught the church uh, 
it's okay to just split in half over how music sounds. Which, I, I get it. Everybody's got a different musical preference. But some of the, the split that we did, like, we've gone through <laughs> like 10 different phases of worship music since then, you know? And there's this whole amount of stuff that we missed out on because out of the heart is the kind of stuff that we focus on. And if our heart is so focused on getting things my way, doing things the way that I like it, having all these conversations on all the kinds of things that don't matter, rather than getting to the heart of how do I produce the love of God? How could I love my enemies better? How, heck, how could I love my family better? My spouse better? My children better? How could I love more extravagantly than I did yesterday? How about that person who's really messed me up and currently destroys me every time that I talk to them, has gossiped about me and slandered me in all corners of my workspace? How could I love them better? Now that, that's a conversation worth talking about with the Spirit. Because that, that, that right there is a chance to give the Spirit something that could produce bad fruit. It's that branch with the blight. It's something falling apart and saying, God, could you, could you heal this in me that I might respond to it with love instead? What about joy? Church isn't exactly always known to be the most joyful of organizations in the world. You know, one of the things that I love that has lasted for, I think, basically the 12 years that I've been here is our small group in my house. That's still going on to this day. It's been through a lot of different phases, but the thing that I love about it is just joy. Get together, eat food, play games, make conversations. It's just people being people. There's spirituality to that. The amount of times that Jesus just ate with people and hung out with people. And the amount of times that that just turned into spiritual conversation without even trying, Jesus knew what he was doing. And when I create space for joy, people can leave that room different, coming in disheartened before, but leaving with uh, something that fought their isolation, their anxiety, their pain. People who are dealing with addiction, it's been found that uh, community is helpful to them. Getting out of isolation is helpful to them. That's something that produces that fruit for them. And you just continue to go down the whole line of all the different kind of fruits that there are. But when it comes down to it, we're always coming to Jesus with our heart. And we're saying, I recognize that this thing can be hardened, can turn into a rock, can believe in lies. And it can become a seed that I plant on the ground that can just produce bitterness and hatred and rage and can fuel all of my deepest, darkest desires. It can be that. My heart can do that. Or I can give it to the Holy Spirit and say, apparently you can handle this differently. Apparently you can, you can soften this thing. And out of the overflow of your spirit, you could produce a world in which I don't hate. You could produce a world in which I don't react. 
You could produce a world in which I get angry and I don't sin. Can you imagine? You could produce a paradigm in which I might pursue the sanctification of the Spirit so far that maybe after years and years and years and years and efforts and work of pursuing the Holy Spirit, I might get to such a, a, a place where I no longer sin intentionally. It's a very Methodist belief. Even some Methodists don't like it. <laughs> I, for one, enjoy it. You know how many times Paul says, maintain your salvation? 92. Or at least a book I read told me that. So if it's wrong, you can blame him. 92 times Paul talks about maintenance of your faith. Just like you maintain a tree so that it grows correctly. And if you're in a place where you feel like there's just not enough substance to keep you going, that your tree is dwindling and falling apart, I have good news for you. I, I, can, I can feel you wanting to say that. My grandpa used to say that all the time, to which everybody would say, lay it on us. I have good news for you. Uh, all right, my grandpa got better responses, but I'll take it. <laughs> he would, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to do it that many times. Um, I forgot what it was because I spent too much time on that. <laughs> oh, no, no, okay. I got good news for you. There is a tree at my house that did not exist at my house when I bought my house. The amount of dirt that it has to grow in is this wide, and it runs along the side of my porch. I have never done one thing to this tree except somebody once chopped its branches off against my wishes. We won't name who. I'm just kidding. Uh, and um, this tree is huge. Its leaves are ginormous. It's a caltrapa? Caltapa? Anybody know what I'm saying? What is it? Cal, cal that thing. Caltapa. <laughs> Tapa. Uh, I know it must have just planted itself from across the street. Just, I've seen it uh, about a block down. Seed must have blown into this tiny little spot. It's grown up big and strong. There's actually two of them right next to each other. And it produces an incredible amount of leaves and brings my backyard to life in the minimal amount of space that exists there every summer. And if you notice... Vegetation just has a way of getting in the most obscure places and finding life. You have noticed because you have weeds in your driveway, in the concrete. How does a, how does a seed find something this big and then enough light and water to actually grow out of that? It's because life is fruitful. It generates. It, it knows how to take root and in the most desperate places grow fruit. To take this much space and be able to grow a caltapa tree <laughs> bigger than my house over the course of 10 years without me ever doing anything to it. So yeah, you might feel like there's not enough pouring into you. You might feel like there's not enough water, there's not enough sunlight that society around you has pushed you into this space where it is hard to be fruitful. And you know what? You might be right. 
There are a lot of systems that get in the way of us growing well. There's a lot of living space that has been diminished that is keeping us stuck. But God designed life to be fruitful and multiply. God designed us to receive his Holy Spirit and grow real fruit. And the Holy Spirit is a supernatural miracle maker. It does not matter what situations you are facing. If you can yield your heart to Jesus, he can take that and put good fruit in it. And out of your abundance of the Holy Spirit, you will grow that fruit. It's why we love underdog stories so much. We see fruit that we never expected to find in the most impossible places. That's what your spirituality can be like. Regardless of the situation you are in, God is better than it. He is bigger than it. And he wants to grow fruit in you. And God has a way of doing the kinds of things that he wants if we let him. That was one thing I saw when I was uh, taking someone through prophetic imagination. They had this kind of uh, flower that needed to be watered in this garden that they were imagining. And every time they went to do it, they couldn't water that flower. They're, they're, we would, a lot of people would say oh, it's just their mind, but it was clearly the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit every time would grab the watering can and water the flower himself. They could not do it themselves. That was God's way of saying, this is my job. You just have to let me do it. So whatever you're facing, God is bigger than it. Let him soften your heart and you just go the self-sacrificial routes of giving it to him in the most crazy situations because God tests those he loves and that fruit will come in those toughest spots. So Jesus, here we are. Um, a lot of times we think we need to walk before we can run, but Jesus, when, when we have to love our enemies before we can even love our friends, we are so tested by that that we learn to love our friends a hundred times more after we've already bypassed them and loved the people who hate us. So regardless of whatever situation we are in, though we may feel like we can't do it, that we can't show that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on, we know that your spirit can. And if your spirit is in us, then your spirit can do it. We just need to yield the space for you to do it. And as you test us in these ways, that fruit will then grow. As we yield ourselves to you, you can then water our hearts the kind of conversations that we start having in church no longer have to revolve around worship wars and pews and these kinds of things that, that really don't keep us focused on the things we need to focus on. But we can actually talk about how can we love our community better. I've got this person over here that's just been driving me nuts and they need help and I don't know what to do. Well, how can we brainstorm as a church to help that person that out of the fruit of who we are, they might be met and be healed and come to Christ. Jesus, out of the fruit that you are offering us, no longer do we have to just get up and preach things that people want to hear, but we can get to a place where we might go to a church, sit down and say, tell me something hard. Chisel at me. Let me walk out of this place a little different. Jesus, don't let us be comfortable. Make us uncomfortable. 
for the sake of greater fruit. May this cherry blossom truly blossom. May that tree we have on the wall just be filled up with flowers. In Jesus' name, amen.